Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Well, I've been asked to speak on lessons from my father. My father, Ronald Weaver, was a good man. By no means a perfect man, but a good man. He had flaws, he had failings, as all of us do, and also a number of idiosyncrasies. Just a quick example. For one thing, my father was always whistling, which didn't please a lot of people. But it didn't matter where he was, what he was doing, he was always whistling. That included on a public crowded train. When I was at university, there were some days where we caught the same train and I would always try and stand not too close, not wanting to be associated with this strange man. But um, he would inevitably give the game away because he got off a couple of stops before me and he'd always say, see you, darling, see you tonight. And I'd uh, roll my eyes. I didn't appreciate it at the time, but in retrospect, I learnt this lesson. Don't be ashamed of who you are and of whose you are, especially when it comes to our Heavenly Father. Apart from some of his more peculiar mannerisms, Dad had some very admirable qualities from which I and others have learnt. Paul wrote to the Corinthians in Philippi, Brothers and sisters, together follow my example and observe those who live by the pattern we gave you. Firstly, Dad was a combatant, a fighter, but in a good way. He was a man of great courage. All through the scriptures we read of God exhorting his people to be courageous and not to fear. For example, to the young Joshua he said, In Joshua chapter 1, starting at verse 6. Be strong and confident and courageous. In verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. And then again in verse 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified or dismayed or intimidated, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Dad certainly exhibited this great quality. He was born very prematurely at home on the kitchen table during a traumatic birth. Believing he was still born, he was tossed aside with the soiled linen as efforts were made to save his mother, which thankfully they did. Only when they were cleaning up did one of the nurses realise he was breathing and set about saving him, all two and a half pound of him, That's less than one and a half kilos for you younger ones. Thus, Dad had to fight to live. As his life played out, it proved to be a life well worth living, demonstrating that despite the odds, life is worth fighting for, whether our own or that of others. A lesson sadly lost in our current society, which is devaluating human life more and more. Though he rarely spoke of it, Dad had to fight his personal demons growing up. At the age of eight, he lost his father who died very suddenly. His grieving mother, unable to cope, sent his older brother away to live with relatives. And so Dad lost not just his father, 
but the companionship of his brother. And though not physically the mother he had known, as she spiralled deeper into the state of grief. The fun-loving nature which she obviously originally had returned later in life, and I remember her as a warm and entertaining grandmother with a very cheeky grin. As I said, Dad never spoke about his feelings from this time in his life, but one would never have known about this sad season by just meeting him or getting to know him, as there was no shadow of resentment or rejection or having a chip on his shoulder, as many people who suffer in their early childhood years do. I have no doubt that his deep childlike faith would have been vital to him in dealing with the inevitable emotional upheavals of his childhood. I have a photo here, a photo of a small child with a group of people. My father is the small child, and standing behind him, the tall gentleman, is his father. This is the only father, the only photo any of us have of my dad with his dad. Having finished school, Dad commenced accountancy studies. He always had an amazing ability with numbers. He could add up six-figure sums in his head with astounding accuracy and faster than he could ever use a calculator. He opted out of these studies to join the Air Force during the war. We have a photo of him in his Air Force uniform. Here, he learnt to fight in the natural. He took up boxing and despite his petite frame, he was very strong and quick and went on to become his battalion's bantamweight champion. From that time on, his favourite form of exercise was skipping, including all the fancy steps, crossed arms, one-legged, two-legged, all the different ways you can skip. That's what kept him fit. They kept him very fit and strong. I remember a season when we were living in Sydney and all the young guys from church would come around on the weekends and challenge him to a wrestling match. Some of them were quite beefy and considered themselves very strong, but I never saw one of them who could beat him. Another lesson learned, never be intimidated by the size of your opponent. After the war, Dad returned briefly to accounting before swapping one uniform for another. He trained and was commissioned as a Salvation Army officer and so began fighting the good fight, which he did for the rest of his life. I believe we have a photo of him in his Salvation Army uniform. It was there um, during training for officership that he met and married my mother and they fought the good fight together. My father was also one who fought for others, especially the powerless and the underdog, often to his own detriment or endangerment. On one occasion, a group of bikies moved in across the road of our suburban street. Our neighbourhood was a haven for families and most of the children rode their bikes to and from each other's homes. Our street was a long, straight road with many side streets running off it. The bikies decided it was a great road, sorry, a great racetrack. And two of them at a time would start at one end of the street and race to the other end of them, one of them, of course, being on the wrong side of the road. And there was no slowing down for those many side streets. 
One afternoon, having had enough and muttering, they're going to kill someone one day, Dad, still wearing his Salvation Army uniform, strode out into the middle of the street and proceeded to flag down the two speeding bikes. Fortunately, they stopped for this diminutive figure who, had, who then proceeded to tell them off. Of course, the other bikies came out of the yard to see what was going down, and soon he was invisible amongst the crowd of leather. Things started to get heated as they responded to his rebuke, and just as it looked as though punches were about to be thrown, the crowd slowly dissipated, and Dad walked calmly back into the house. Staggered by what she had just witnessed, Mum asked what had happened, and Dad replied, a voice from the back of the crowd said, leave him alone, they were good to us in Nam." I'm sure if it had come to blows, he would have come off worse for wear because of the sheer numbers. But I like to think he'd have got in a strong right hook followed by a left uppercut on his way down. <laughs> his courage paid off and serenity and safety returned to our street as the bikies moved out shortly after. At least twice that I know of, Dad put his job on the line because he went into bat, as they say, to his superiors on behalf of those he felt had been misjudged or wronged. On the first occasion, his actions were dealt with harshly, which resulted in him coming to work for our church for a season of five years. On the second occasion, his grievances were accepted and advice taken. Years later, our pastor said to a family friend that, God was a, that Dad was a good man who had saved the church from what could have been dire repercussions. He was actually welcomed back into his beloved army some years later by those who knew his true heart and worth and decried the way he had been treated. He took these actions not because he was rebellious, but because he was a man of deep conviction and commitment. People mattered to Dad because they mattered to God. As a young man, my father had committed his life to Christ fully, despite his best friend not being a believer. It was a faith that, though tested and tried, he never relinquished. A conviction has been described, defined as an unshakable belief in something without need for proof or evidence. Sadly, many today cannot grasp the truth of the gospel because they see no proof or evidence, though I believe there is plenty of both. And many walk away from their so-called commitment to Christ because things don't go as they would like or because someone supposedly representing God has hurt or disappointed them. Commitment has been defined as the act of binding yourself to a course of action a trait of sincere and steadfast fixity of purpose or a message that makes a pledge. I would have to say I have learned this level of constancy from my father. His life was one of commitment to the Lord and people. He prayed for his aforementioned best friend for 14 years before he finally came to know Jesus for himself. Dad's convictions and commitments didn't go untested. They were in a number of ways at different times. There was a season where his commitment to my mother and therefore our family was severely challenged. But despite his feelings wanting him to walk away, 
Dad's convictions and his commitment to God and his word caused him to stay. Despite a few difficult years, my parents went on to be the sweet old couple walking down the street holding hands that everyone admired. On his death, they had been married almost 60 years. This taught me that though difficult at times, I should remain committed to my convictions and commitments, and also that with God's help and two willing participants, relationships can be restored. And we have a photo of my mother and father together later in life. Dad was also a man of compassion and kindness. Peter exhorts exhorts us in 1 Peter 3.8, Finally, all of you be like-minded, united in spirit, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, courteous and compassionate toward each other as members of one household, and humble in spirit, Never return evil for evil or insult for insult. Avoid scolding, berating and any kind of abuse. But on the contrary, give a blessing. Pray for one another's well-being, contentment and protection. For you have been called for this very purpose, that you might inherit a blessing from God that brings well-being, happiness and protection. There are many people who would attest to Dad's great kindnesses. Our door was always open to those who needed a chat, a feed or even a bed. Some of the waifs my parents took in stayed for many, many months. Other visitors were regulars over the years as they passed through whichever city we were living in at the time. Everywhere we went, Dad would teach young people to play brass instruments Not just the church kids, but often in his spare time, he would also gather kids from the local area and invite them to come and learn instruments, all free of charge. One particular story highlighting my father's sympathetic and kindly service stands out to me. Though preaching was his greatest love, there were several occasions where he was called upon to serve in different areas, and he did so with great compassion, despite not being where he would have preferred to be. One such posting was to one of the Salvation Army boys' homes. Now, orphanages are, not usually, are usually places to be endured, not enjoyed, and sadly some have been found out to be places of outright abuse. But my father and his fellow workers at that time cared for the boys in that facility with love, compassion and kindness, endeavouring to make it feel as much like a family as is possible. Many years later, when he was visiting a man in a repatriation hospital for returned servicemen, another patient called out, Hey, Captain. Turning to see who it was, Dad recognised the now adult face of one of his boy's homeboys. He'd been wounded in the Vietnam War. At the end of their conversation, his parting words to my father were sadly warming. Thanks, Captain. Those years in the boys' home were the happiest of my life. Preaching the gospel was Dad's long life, lifelong calling, to which he remained committed to the end. 
He had a deep devotion to the Word of God and explored its deeper subjects to a much greater degree than most of his peers. This meant he was often asked to preach at places other than where he was stationed, as they call it. Dad would never say no to an invitation if it was at all possible to go. Mum would always despair when Dad would ask for his uniform to be packed when going on holidays, just in case he got asked to preach. As Paul wrote of himself in Romans 1.1, my father considered himself to be called and separated to the gospel. He loved to study his Bible and had a great curiosity for end-time events and preached on them very creatively. I recall sermons from the books of Ezekiel and Daniel, including very detailed illustrations of the beasts from Daniel's vision. Another sermon he preached was called The Ruined Masterpiece, where he would slash a beautiful painting with a knife. He may also have been seen walking the streets of Paddington, wearing an olden days costume, which included a beard made of, beard made of collie dog hair, and wearing a sandwich board advertising some upcoming outreach meetings. None of the family are willing to admit to having a copy of this photo. Such topics, illustrations and antics were rare in Salvation Army services in those days. Another example of his creativity was when holding open-air meetings in a town where the Salvation Army had no band. He would play the melody of the hymn on his cornet with his right hand while accompanying himself by playing the relevant chords on a piano accordion with the left hand. Despite their meagre resources, my parents witnessed an amazing revival in that little town. With the publican, several of the town's well-known alcoholics, gamblers and perpetrators of domestic violence, finding Christ and his forgiveness and experiencing complete restoration during that time. It changed the whole town of tone of the town and several of those men went on to full-time Christian service their wives and children forever grateful for the change in their lives. A son of one of these men who also went into ministry later wrote his own version of Slim Dusty's The Pub With No Beer, recounting the incredible move of God and its effects on the community. The son of another of these converts, who also went on to be a Salvation Army officer, led the retirement service for my parents and remained one of Dad's closest friends right until his death and led his funeral service. There's a photo of Dad displaying this unusual skill while on an outreach with his friend Bobby Bushby, who wrote the Christian version of The Pub With No Beer. Preaching the word of God and leading others to Christ remained the chief focus of my father's life. Even after his official retirement, he became chaplain for several of Brisbane's hospitals and took on the responsibility of caring for other retired officers in his area. His commitment to the good fight remained strong. As I've mentioned, Dad's life was not perfect or unblemished, but he left a legacy of courage, conviction, commitment and compassion. He was motivated by a strong sense of call and commission, which was always expressed with great creativity. Ultimately, his life was about serving Christ. 
Dad passed away from cancer and once again his courage remained evident. Despite being in intense pain for several months, the only complaint I heard him utter was, this is a hell of a way to die. In the end, such was the strength of his heart, he had to fight to die. But as he had all his life, he was looking forward to his promotion to glory. Just three weeks before he went, Jeff's mother suddenly died. We were reluctant to tell him as we thought he would be upset. Our parents were all very close friends. But instead of displaying grief, he raised his fist in the air and shouted glory in true old-fashioned army style. He knew she was now in her heavenly home and that he would soon be joining her. Dad's funeral was held on his 85th birthday. He had asked for a certain hymn to be part of his service, as he said it exemplified his life's prayer. The words were written by Francis Havergal, who lived in the 19th century, so the language is quite archaic, but I trust we will still understand it, and that each one of us will be inspired and challenged by it, as we are by the lessons from my father. The hymn said, Lord, speak to me that I may speak in living echoes of thy tone. As thou hast sought, so let me seek the erring child, lost and alone. O lead me, Lord, that I may lead the wandering and the wavering feet. Feed me, Lord, that I may feed the hungering ones with manna sweet. O strengthen me, that while I stand firm on the rock and strong in thee, I may stretch out a loving hand to wrestlers with the troubled sea. O teach me, Lord, that I may teach the precious things thou dost impart, and wing my words that they may reach the hidden depths of many a heart. O give thine own sweet rest to me, that I may speak with soothing power a word in season as from thee to weary ones in needful hour. O fill me with thy fullness, Lord, until my very heart overflow in kindling thought and glowing word, thy love to tell, thy praise to show. O use me, Lord, even use even me, just as thou wilt and when and where, until thy blessed face I see, thy rest, thy joy, thy glory share. Amen. Thank you, Rhonda. What a beautiful and wonderful thing it is to have that kind of legacy in your life. To be able to look back and say, even though there wasn't perfection, there was purpose. And that came in Ron's life. I, of course, know him. He was my father-in-law. But you could never escape, despite some of his idiosyncrasies, as Rhonda said, you could never escape a deep and abiding sense of purpose that came out of an awareness of God in his life. And I don't know everybody here and I don't know everyone that's online with us or that will be online over the next couple of weeks. And maybe you listen to that and you're angry about your upbringing and go, why didn't I have that? Or maybe you'd look at it and go, well, I had a great dad, but he never left me any sense of purpose of God. He had no faith. But you know what? I, I just believe that there's a heavenly Father. 
who loves every one of us. The Bible says it so often and so deeply. It says, for God so loved the world. That's got to mean you. That's every single one of us. I'd love to pray right now for people that are here and with us online. You might be sitting there saying, Jeff, I, I didn't have that kind of legacy. Let me challenge you to start becoming that kind of legacy. You say, Jeff, I'm not married. I don't have children. I'd go, you can still start leaving a legacy for the people that are around about you. Father, I thank You this morning for every single person that's heard this amazing story of a wonderful man who endured so much difficulty, saw the highs, saw the lows. Yet God, in the middle of that, what sustained him was an abiding faith in You, a reality that Jesus died for him, that though he had a good life in so many other ways and a good mum and could point back to the miracle of his birth, Yet, Lord, He needed to come to You because all of us have sinned. All of us have walked away from You. Father, I pray that right now today, You will touch every person here, every man, every woman, every young person, every older one. Father, I pray that every one of us will find in You the strength to start leaving the kind of legacy that maybe one day someone will have that story to tell about us. Father, I pray particularly for anybody that's listening to me right now. They say, I don't know Jesus. Maybe they think Jesus wouldn't even want them or it would be difficult or they could never make it. Yet, Lord, You said You've made the way open because Jesus came. You said all we've got to do is say yes to You. So God, I pray for men right now and women right now, for young people right now and old people right now that are going to say yes to You. Just right where you are right now, I know that there are people, some of you are older. You've thought to yourself, I'm too old to change, but you're not too old to say yes to Jesus. If you're not too old to say yes to Jesus, you're not too old to let Him change you. Maybe you're younger here and you go, Jeff, I'll, I'll do it later, but right now Jesus is calling you. Maybe you've kind of put God into the religion basket and thought, well, you know, Really, that's for other people. But Jesus is calling you right now. And I want to pray for you right where you are, right where you sit, right where you're listening, wherever you are. I want to pray that Jesus will become real to you today, that you will be saved, that you'll be born again, that you'll have a new life in Christ, that your life will experience walking with God, that you will know what it's like to have the best father and the best friend that you can ever imagine for your life. Father, I pray for each one of those people right now in the Name of Jesus. I pray, God, You will break off their mind any sense of it couldn't happen for me. Take away from them, Lord, just the weight of their failures or the, the joys even of all their achievements and let them come to You today, we pray. In Jesus' mighty Name, Amen. Amen. You know, if you want to say yes to Jesus, we've made it so simple for you to do that. Well, when I say we have, truth is Jesus made it so simple. He said this, He said, I stand at the door of your life and I knock. He said, if you just open the door, I'll come in. Well, how hard's that? That's so easy to do. We would love you to give your yes to Jesus. You can text yes, just that three-letter word, why yes, to the number that's up there on the screen for you right now. 0488826392. If you're outside of Australia or you'd rather get our help via email, then it's yes 
www.metrochurch.org.au. Either way, when we get your yes, we'll start praying for you. That'll be the best thing. We'll be praying for you. Our team will be praying for you. And we do. We regularly believe in God for every single one because we know that you are not just a phone number or an email address to us. You are a someone. You're someone that Jesus died for and you're someone that He's got a plan for. And we want to see you enter into the fullness of that to live it out. And so we will be praying for you. Then we'll also send you each day a Bible verse and a prayer. They're different every day, but they'll help you to start walking with God. I know when I first became a Christian, and believe it or not, I was actually living at Ron and Mary's house. Uh, I was kind of homeless, really, if the truth's known, and uh, needed somewhere to stay. And I lived underneath their house. Ron had built this space under there. I couldn't stand up in some of the spots. It was too low. But uh, I remember being there and, and watching this man of God get around the Bible because the Bible is God's Word for you. We want you to get that. And uh, we've got free Bibles here, but we'll send you a Bible verse every day. And then we'll teach you how to pray. I didn't had no idea. I didn't know what to say or really how I knew how to say in Jesus' Name and an Amen. But I didn't know how to talk to God. And we want to help you do that. So we just send us your yes, 0488-826-392. I believe people are going to do it today. I really do. I feel like it's going to, you're going to say yes to Him today and it's going to be meaningful to you and therefore it'll mean something great to God. Father, thank You again for each one of those people. Lord, today You're bringing people close to You. You're drawing them. We thank You for that. We thank You for the legacy of godly people, people that are saying yes and living that life out. Father, I pray that each one of us that are saying yes to You today will go on to leave that kind of legacy in the Name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.